We're kicking off a series tonight. Actually, it's a one part. I just wanted to share this, this idea of this against all odds mentality. Like there are times when we find ourselves, it feels like against every odd. Everything that could come against it, sometimes it feels like it is. You know what I mean? And, and, and the saying against all odds is really talking about a time when something happens and it really shouldn't have. You know, so I could say like, for example, against all odds, the Mets won two World Series, right? I could say against all odds, I went to White Castle last night and didn't have to call in sick at work the next day. Uh, I have the perfect against all odds story for you. So this past week, I took my dog, Chewy. He's almost five months to the vet. And he needed some shots and whatever they do in there. And so I brought him to the vet and they brought him back out to me. And I had, you know, complete confidence in the incredible vets that did a great job. They're my friends. I so appreciate them. And as I brought the dog back to the car, I went over to my side of the car. And when I lifted up the handle, it was locked. And I went around the other side and every single door was locked. And not only that, but the car was running and the keys were inside. And so I just locked my little puppy in the car and he was kind of freaking out a little bit. Now the air conditioning was on, so it was kind of okay. He was at least comfortable in there. And so as I'm trying to figure out what to do, I'm like, I don't want my vet friends to see what an idiot I am. And there's this big glass opening to their office. And so I just went over to his side of the car and I'm just kind of like low-key knocking on the, the, the window, hoping he will kind of traipse over there and accidentally step on the unlock button or something, right? And so I'm going through this. Then eventually the, the vets are like, you locked your keys in your car, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I locked my keys in my car. So the vet ran across the street to a friend that he thought could help me. And as I'm standing there talking with his wife, I hear the most beautiful sound I've ever heard in my life. It was the noise of a window rolling down. I looked over. Chewy had lowered the window, and I was able to unlock the car. Can we hear it from my puppy? Come on. That's incredible. That's absolutely outstanding, right? That is an against-all-odds scenario. Like, what are the odds that the dog's going to save the day in that story? And we have a lot of against-all-odds moments in our lives, too, where it feels like the odds are just stacked against us. And sometimes we doubt right now, in the midst of all that we're going through, that we're going to get anywhere. It feels like the odds are stacked against some of us graduating college right now. It feels like the odds are against some of our relationships right now. It feels like the odds are against our marriage, maybe, right now. If some of us, it feels like the, the idea we will ever be employed again. And man, it's just the odds are stacked against it. Or we'll at least be able to do what we love. Like, maybe we'll have a job, but will we actually be able to do what we really were placed on planet Earth to do? And sometimes it feels like the odds are 100% against that. For some of us, it's that our faith will survive. Will my faith make it? Like this has been such an intense, hard, difficult season. Will my faith survive this process? Some of us, we had thought God was going to use us in huge ways. And it turns out that we've been held back from that in this last season. And things haven't worked out like we thought. Is God going to use us to make a great impact? And I'll tell you what, our church over the years, man, we've had some odds stacked against us too. You know, I think about my father-in-law and mother-in-law deciding one day that, that God had put on their heart to start a church, like in their living room. And so they just invited people, they invited neighbors, they invited friends to start a church in their living room. Do you know the odds of that working? And God did something powerful with it. And then they started to rent a hall because they outgrew their living room. And then they, they got out of the, the, the hall and they bought some property, which was our old church property. And then they had to raise a bunch of money and there weren't a lot of people. And they had to build a building and they did that. And then over the years, we grew out of that building. And then we sold our property without knowing where we were going. Like I told that story to somebody recently and they were like, that was really dumb. 
And I was like, you ever heard of faith? It's kind of a part of what we do here, you know? Like, that's part of the, the whole deal. And here, then last minute, the school opens up. And then, on the same street as the school opening up, was this incredible property down the road that we were able to purchase. And we see all these odds stacked against us, but we keep on seeing God coming through, right? And then, we think about the last six months. And, the, and six months ago, I stood here on the stage for the last time, right? Six months ago is the last time we did this. And then it was 12 weeks of only streaming. And then it was like 18 weeks of drive-in church. And we had some odds stacked against us. But I got to tell you guys, man, I'm so proud of you, your resiliency, your passion for God. You kept on rolling with it. And wow, what God has done. Now we've got some new challenges ahead of us. Some of the things I, I already mentioned about our personal lives. But also as a church, we've got a beautiful property up the street, but now we need a building on it, right? And so it feels like in a lot of our lives, there are tons of odds to overcome. But I am here to remind you today what God can do against all odds. And I'm getting a little emotional today. I think I'm getting a little bit wimpy in my old age here. Because as I talk about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in the midst of hardship and difficulty and all that we've been through, and as I look around the room and I know many of your stories, it just hits me to talk about the faithfulness of God. Because I know what so many of you are going through. I know what your odds are. And when I think about what I know God can do with those odds, I get passionate and I get really excited. And so we're going to celebrate what God can do against all odds today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know how to help myself right now. Maybe you're watching online and you're going, I don't know how to make things right between me and God. In fact, it might even feel like all the odds are stacked against you, ever making yourself right. Like if you had to stand before God tonight, what would you do? What would you say? How would you know things are okay between you and him? I want to talk with you a little bit about that here tonight as well. So we are going to look at an amazing against all odds story in the book of Judges. And one of the things that's so fascinating about this story is how spineless and faithless the eventual hero of this story is. And what's funny is, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard the second half of this story. But i got to tell you, I think the first half's really going to surprise you because I feel like nobody ever reads the first half or talks about the first half. And so we're going to discover how great the odds were against God doing anything in this individual's life and through this individual's life. And I hope that encourages you because some of you feel like that's you. Some of you feel like that's me right now. I feel faithless. I feel spineless. I feel afraid. I feel uncertain. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. I feel alone. I don't know how that anything good is going to come of the situations that I find myself in right now. And so we're going to look at a guy named Gideon today. And again, if I say that and you know the end of the story, I'm guessing you don't know the beginning and really how bad it was. And so we're going to look at Judges chapter 6 today. And it says this in verse 1. You guys can read on the screens if you're watching the stream. The scripture should pop right up on the screen for you. It says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The Midianites were horrible people. They were horribly oppressive. So much so that the people of Israel made shelters for themselves in caves just to make sure they couldn't be found. So they weren't even living where they had been before. Then in verse 6, it says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And so they're like, okay, we need help, God. And God then sends a prophet. And you know what the prophet tells them? I have, God has been faithful against all odds. God brought you out of Egypt. God got you through a Red Sea. God delivered you in this way and that way, provided for you in this way and that way. And then he says this, but you guys keep on running away from him. You keep on running back to your sin and your own stuff. And so in that, the people are, are humbled. And, and 
Gideon here is about to have an experience. In verse 11, it says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I did not recall this part of the story. I did not recall that when we first meet Gideon, if you're watching a movie and finally the the music swells and there's this sweeping shot and suddenly you meet Gideon, he is not this mighty warrior up on top of a mountain on a horse with a sword in his hand ready to go. No, he's hiding in a wine press and he's threshing wheat. What does that mean? He's separating the part you can eat from the part you can't eat. And he is there doing that hiding he's afraid of the Midianites and so he's doing this so that they won't steal his food and they won't take his life this is Gideon this is our hero everybody does this encourage you because maybe you would be doing the same thing maybe you or I have been kind of sitting in our in our wine press so to speak threshing wheat so to speak kind of afraid or uncertain feeling like we're the last person on planet earth God could come through for or use and here is Gideon and I have to believe in this moment he's having a so this is my life moment Have you had some of those lately? Have you had some of those in this last six months? So this is my life, going to school online. Really, this is my life right now? Man, everybody being in the house together, everybody's just at each other. My my brother, my sister, my kids, or my spouse, everybody's just going nuts at each other. This is my life right now? Unemployed? This is my life right now? Trying to raise kids alone? This is my life right now? Feeling like I'm single and it's never going to come together? This is my life. This was not supposed to be my life, but this is my life right now. Some of us are saying, you know, older people in the room, my kids, I'm worried about my kids, or I'm even, I'm worried about my grandkids. Do you know, and I want to just speak to this for a second because this is so important, that this generation right now, many of you in the room and then younger, your generation, you believe something, and it's a lie, I want to tell you that first, but here's what you believe. You believe that your life is not going to be as good or better than your parents' life, and I have to tell you something, you're the first generation to believe that in a long time. Like me growing up as a kid, I believe, man, my life's going to be as good, if not better, than my parents' life. They're saying right now that kids, youth, young adults are looking at their parents' lives saying, they had it better than I ever will. And i got to speak to that for a second and say, you have no idea what God can do in you and through you. And you're going to see great hope tonight. But this is where we're at, everybody. This is the world that we're living in. And so we have a lot of this is my life moments, right? Odds are stacked against me. I feel purposeless, purposeless and hopeless. How do we get out of this? And so Gideon's having this against all odds. So this is my life moment. The angel of the Lord comes and sits down. And it says this in verse 12. When you, I'm sorry, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, and this is great. We got to just pause for a second. Take a deep breath. Take this in. You ready? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon is hiding in a wine press. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Like, this is the least mighty warrior thing you could do. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Like, I'm not a mighty warrior right now. And i got to just speak to this for a second. God knew who Gideon could become in him, right? And some of you guys are looking at God right now. You're looking at, you're looking at this circumstance right now, and you're, you're, you're like, there's no way. I, I'm just not a mighty warrior right now in any way, shape, or form. I'm so spineless. I'm so afraid. I'm so discouraged. And I just believe tonight that maybe God wants to speak to some of you and maybe he wants to almost follow you this week, so to speak. And he wants to look you in the face while you're at school this week, the two days a week maybe you go with your mask on. And he wants to look at you in your face and say, I'm with you, mighty warrior. 
And I think you might want to look some of us in the face and say, in the middle of your marriage problems, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And in the midst of trying to recover from a horrible divorce, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And trying to plan out the rest of your life from a screen when you should be out there in the real world, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And the single people in the room, I am with you, mighty warrior. I know you feel hopeless, and I know you feel afraid, and I know you feel like there's no point anymore. But I'm going to tell you something. I am with you, mighty warrior. You're going, I don't feel like a mighty warrior. Well, maybe being a mighty warrior isn't about feeling like a mighty warrior. Maybe it's about the fact the Lord is with you. Maybe that's what makes you and I the mighty warrior. And so you and I, man, I got to tell you, I just got the chills as we just celebrated the word of God right there. I just got the chills. You know, you get the the goosebumps. I call them the God bumps, so I give the geese the credit. And so I just just got some chills right there. Why? Because I'm kind of like motivated in the moment. Like I'm like, yes, like Lord, like speak, amen. And you're going, that's what Gideon felt, right? Look what he says. Verse 13. Pardon me, my, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Wow, this amazing speech, right? And Gideon stared the angel of the Lord in the face and got real. I just hear him like, pardon me, my Lord. Like, like the nerdiest, most spineless, right? But then he asked this incredible question. And I just, I just got to say before we get to it that I love that God is patient with Gideon. He's patient with his doubt, his skepticism. He is patient with his fear. He's patient with a thousand questions and what ifs and hold ons and objections and he's patient with you and he's patient with me when we bring those things as well but isn't this question exactly what we've all been asking the last six months if the lord was with us why has this happened to us right like if the lord was with us why a pandemic why have we lost loved ones why do we feel so alone Why are we so sad? Why can't we sleep at night? If the Lord was with us, then why is it that I'm unemployed right now? Why is it that my body still hurts right now? If the Lord is with us, then why is our nation tearing itself apart? If the Lord is with us, then why? If he were really with us, this stuff wouldn't be happening. And then he goes on and he says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? He's thinking about the stories he heard from his ancestors about all the things God did. And Gideon's going, I don't have that. I don't know about you, I'm guessing you have somebody in your life who has some really great stories about God. For me, it was my, my Grandma Jansen. Grandma Jansen, come to town, you're going to get some stories. And she'd stroll in, and she'd go, everybody in the den, and we all sit in the den, she'd get in her rocking chair, and she'd just sit and rock in the rocking chair for hours and tell a story after story about God coming through and his faithfulness. And she'd be saying, oh man, you have no idea. When, when, when I first met your grandpa, he was a mess. He told me he was a Christian. He wasn't. He lied because he knew I'd only marry a Christian. And he was a whole different religion. And it caused all this friction. But God eventually saved him. And then she almost died when my dad was born. And man, God rescued me in this way. And she'd just go on provision and healing. And he came through and peace. And he did this and he did that and for a lot of us we're going but I want those kind of stories like I want to be the old person sitting in the rocking chair one day with those kind of stories but I have to tell you something if you want those kind of stories then you have to have enough odds stacked against you for God to come through in such a big way that it turns into a story right and none of us want the odds stacked against us we all want the story We all want to be able to tell our kids, this is why I know God's faithful. But we don't want to go through what we have to in order to get the story. 
here's Gideon questioning God, and, and, and rightly, I mean, maybe not rightly so, but I, I guess we can relate, right? You and I do this too. And then he says this, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. God's abandoned us. That's why things are bad. Maybe that's why you feel the way you feel tonight. College online, man, the Lord's abandoned me. Marriage is strained. Lord's abandoned me. Relationship with my kids are broken. Lord's abandoned me. My finances are a mess. The Lord's abandoned me. There's no tacos and coffee out there. The Lord's surely abandoned us, right? I had some people walk in like, if there ain't no coffee and tacos, I'm out tonight. So thank you, Pete Smith. I love you, brother. Judge, Judges 6.14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? All right, come on, man. Pep talk number two, right? Surely Gideon gets it. Verse 15. A part of me, my Lord. <laughs> again, again, the angel's going, you're killing me, small. It's like, what is happening right now? And then it goes on. And here's some more objection from Gideon. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Am I the only one that didn't quite recall this part of the story as clearly as the second half? Like, do you remember Gideon was so weak and spineless? Do you remember he just thought the worst of himself and that there was no hope and God was never going to use him? This is where this guy is. But then the Lord says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Then Gideon asked for a sign. It's another part of me, Lord, moment. says, God, just give me a sign. Show me you're with me. But here's what I got to say. This is so important. What do we see in Gideon right here? We see that Gideon is staying in the conversation. He is not getting a lot right. <laughs> there is honestly not a lot to learn from Gideon himself. There's a lot to learn about the Lord here. But Gideon, if we can give him anything, he's staying in the conversation at least. And maybe this is a tip you can take with you tonight. Stay in the conversation with the Lord, right? Even if you're objecting. Even if you're questioning, even if you're skeptical, even if you have a million but, but, no, nah, no way, it's not going to, I can't see hows. Just keep talking to him. Stay in the conversation with him. That's the one thing Gideon got right. The Lord then gives him some more signs. And then God himself speaks to Gideon. He tells him, hey, Gideon, I want you to be bold right now, man. I want you to go tear down all of the altars and the idols. And I want you to just make this bold statement for me. And so you know what Gideon does? Well, he, he kind of does it, but he does it not the way God maybe wanted him to do it. It says in verse 27, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Right? Like, like this is when God told you to do something and you kind of did it, but you did it on your own terms, you know? Like God's like, oh, Doug, God, go tell that person over there that I love him. And you're like, uh, okay, Lord, I, I don't know that person. And he's like, it's all right. Go do it anyway. They need it. And you're like, okay, I, I'm going to sign it. And you're like, and then you're just like, okay. Now, that wasn't anything in, in sign language. Just so you all know, like, well, Doug's bilingual. No, no, I'm not. But then this is what Gideon does. He's like, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it my own way. And so the people wake up furious. But then daddy, Gideon's daddy, comes to the rescue. It's like a spineless hero, right? His dad's like, I got it, man. I'll take care of you. He takes care of it and gets him out of trouble. So this guy's still a wimp. But then we find our clincher verse in verse 34. We find what changes everything for Gideon and for us. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. Okay, we got a spineless wimp who knows he's the weakest in the weakest clan. 
And suddenly, after going out at night and doing what God told him to do because he was afraid, he blows a trumpet declaring, we are gathering an army for war. What was the difference? It was the first nine verses of this, or words of this verse. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. You see, suddenly it wasn't just Gideon. It was the Spirit of the Lord on Gideon. And in the Old Testament, we see where God would give his spirit to certain people at certain times to perform certain tasks. Guys, you have the Spirit of the Lord not on you and not just on you for a time. You have the Spirit of the Lord in you for all time. This is the game changer. This is what makes you and I able to look at our future and look at our present and even look at our past and say, no, God's still going to do something. God's still got something for me here. God's going to do something to blow my mind and their mind and everybody's mind, and it's going to be so clearly him in such a beautiful and powerful way. And suddenly the phrase, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, sticks with Gideon. And he still asked the Lord, okay, God, I, I'm starting to get some faith here, but, but can you just show me a few more things? He's still asking for help. Please show me, God, right? And again, that encourages me so much because there are times where God has to show me a thousand times before I finally take the step, but he's patient with me, and he's patient with you too. And so then Gideon sends out some messengers to gather an army, and Gideon then starts to feel confident in this plan. Like, this could actually work. This is going to be incredible. God has shown me. He is with me. And right here is where a lot of us know the second half of the story. Right here is where when Gideon's feeling like the odds are, are, are you know, a little, little, bit more about, a little bit more, those odds are, are falling. And then suddenly God's about to just yank the carpet out from under his feet. Right here. Right here when he's starting to feel a little bit more faith. In verse 2 of Judges 7, the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And so God says, Hey, hey, here's the deal, Gideon. I want to do something huge here against all odds. But if you bring an army of 32,000 men, then it's going to be pretty obvious that they won this battle. And I want to make sure when you're an old man like Doug's grandma, you can be sitting in a rocking chair telling a story about how I came through and not just that you had a great army right? And so he says, tell all the guys who are afraid to go home. And 22,000 people left. Meanwhile, the other army's building their army. Like they're uniting with other kingdoms and they're coming together and getting stronger and stronger and stronger and getting sent in 22,000 people away. And then it goes on. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. And so then God tells Gideon, okay, go tell them to get a drink. If they drink this way, you send them home. They drink that way. I want you to keep them. And Gideon's praying that 9,999 9, of them are going to drink the way that they could stay, but only 300 do. And it says in verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. And so he sent them home, 300 against an army, against all odds. The Lord told Gideon, to sneak into the enemy's camp and listen to what the soldiers were saying. And in verse 13 of Judges 7, it says, As Gideon arrived, just as a man was telling a friend his dream, I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. God gave him another sign of his presence, another sign that he was with him, and he was going to take the next step. 
Verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. It's probably a whole other series in here talking about the fact that he worshipped on the enemy's territory. Let that sit for a minute. Wish we could spend a little more time on that. It says here, he worshipped and then he returned to the camp of Israel, right? So he hears the dream and in the enemy's territory he worships. Wow, maybe we should pause on that for a minute. Yeah, let's do that. Wow. What would it be like for you and I the enemy's coming against us. The enemy's throwing temptation. The enemy's throwing all kinds of sadness and depression our way. The enemy is showing us a time and time again he's right on our heels. What would it be like for you and I right then? Because we always want to be back on our camp, right, to celebrate the victory. No, right there in the, in the enemy's camp with him kind of breathing down our neck if we just worshiped. And we said, Lord, you're good. Lord, you're going to make a way. Lord, you got something here that I didn't see coming, but it's powerful. What if we worshiped right there in the enemy's camp? He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And I, I just love that God's presence always transforms us, right? The sign that he's with us always transforms us. This past week, I was telling the guys on staff that every time I drove past this building, through the whole pandemic, I just had a pit in my stomach because it's a lot of work to do portable church. It's a lot of work to figure all this out. And then especially now with masks and four feet between every, or four seats between every party and everything we got to work out, right? And so every time I drove by, I was pit in my stomach. There was angst. There was uh, fear. And uh, I drive up to the building on top of it. Like, oh, cool, man. It's good. We got driving rolling. And it's great. But, but it was this past week that I was driving past this building. And there was just a moment where God gave me excitement. Right? Like every time I drove by, it was, uh, uh, and instead it was like, let's do this. Let's go. Let's do this. The Lord is with us. Right? Those little moments of him reminding us that he's with us and he's for us always transform us and give us the grace to do what we need to do in the moment. And you know, sometimes the things God gives us to remind us he's with us is like a crazy huge thing. Like you needed two grand to pay this thing off for school or you weren't be able to finish or go or get your diploma and like two grand comes in like crazy like God just shows up but sometimes the reminder is another sunset right it's just another sunset he, he's still here and he's still got me sometimes the reminder is wow he healed somebody like we prayed for the sick person and they got healed how incredible and sometimes it's just the grace to walk through another day still not feeling so great right and so it could be a big thing it could be a little thing but God gives us those Reminders of his presence. And then Gideon says, all right, I want you to take 300 jars and some trumpets. Sounds like some, you know, appropriate war material to me. And on my call, I'm going to have you smash those jars and blow those trumpets. It says in verse 22, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethshittah, to Zerarah, as far as the border of Abel, Amolahai, near Tabath. The Israelites pursued and won a great victory against all odds. Can we talk about for a second the fact that God took the guy who was hiding in fear, who was from the least clan and was the least in his family and had no faith and no spine to pursue and win the victory because it wasn't about him. It was about God. It was about the fact that the Lord was with him, not that he was hopefully a mighty warrior. It was about the fact that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. And the Spirit of the Lord is in you 
if you put your trust in Jesus. And if you haven't yet, he wants to be in you. And he wants to do great things through you. And so what I want you guys to take from all this is against all odds, God is able to win your battles. Against all odds, against all of them. I mean, honestly, the more the better, right? The more odds, the better. The more odds, the better the win. The better the story when you're rocking in your rocking chair 30, 40, 50 years from now. Like, what a beautiful thing for you and I to be able to recount. Oh, man, back in 2020, let me tell you what my life was like. You wouldn't believe all of the so this is my life moments I had. But, man, God was doing something so big and so good. And it's time to blow the trumpet again, everybody, for your future. It's time to blow the trumpet, everybody, for your marriage. Fight for it. Fight for it down on your knees in prayer. It's time to blow the trumpet, everybody, for the pieces to be put back together in the relationship that's fallen apart or that your heart be put back together after the divorce of yourself or your parents or that loved one. It's time, everybody, to blow that trumpet and say the Lord is with me for what he wants to do through us collectively united as a church, walking in unity and love, not falling into all the offense we talked about over the last three weeks, right? It's time for you and I to say, okay, I might just be Gideon. But God is God. I might just be this little spineless mess right now, but that does nothing to stop God against all odds. And I believe he wants to give you great hope. I believe he wants you to start walking around hearing him say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And so I'll walk with you through school, even though it feels a little weird with your mask on. I'll walk with you through church, even though you've got to wait online and sign up on a stupid app so you don't have too many people in the room and get shut down. Like, I'll walk with you through the brokenness of your family dynamic right now, mighty warrior, because I'm with you, and I will use you, mighty warrior. And it's not about you being a mighty warrior, feeling like a mighty warrior, because I certainly, me, Doug Jansen, this morning, I did not wake up feeling like a mighty warrior today. I'll just be real. I woke up sad and tired. But the Lord is with me. And he's with you. So what do we do? Well, I think, I think we stay in the conversation, right? We stay in the conversation. That's the one redeeming quality of Gideon in all this is that he literally just didn't run. He stayed in the conversation. It gave God the time he needed to convince him, to put his spirit on him, to give him a vision, to embolden him, to prove to him over and over and over again that he is faithful. And then we trust, guys. We trust we take the step, just the next one, right? Just the next one. And the scriptures often refer to this little kind of light that it is to our feet, right? The, the word of God is this little light to our feet, right? We don't have these big lights, LED lights, blasting out our future. And we know that if we take this step, we're going to be all right. No, it's just I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step. And so you're in the conversation. What does a step look like for you? So this past week, I had an alarm go off on my phone, and it goes off every September 29th since 2018. And the title of it is Reminder of Your First Conversation with Mr. Scarallo about 328 Hoffman Lane. And that's because that day in 2018, a guy named Mr. Scarallo, Jamie's dad, found this property up the street and said, hey man, I know you guys are looking for a church, my daughter's part of your church, and we want to just see you guys find a home and and so he called and said, check this place out. And so I went online, asking price. Asking price was astronomical, just off the, like, I look at Kelly, look at this. Like, this would be great, right? Like, this would be nuts, but there's no way. And then I called our realtor, and I was like, hey, can we just and try and get in there? And so she's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, what, you really think this is, uh, I don't know, let's just. And so we went. 
And the first time we go, I mean, we're walking around, me, Joey, and Andrew, like our eyes are just like, look, like we're just like looking at each other. And, and there's probably a mixture of like faith and complete unbelief in our hearts, you know, like this could actually work. Like, yes, this could work, but you know, probably it will not work, you know. And it's kind of like when you ask the prettiest girl in the school out and she actually says yes, which actually happened to me. So that's an incredible thing. Like, thankful for my wife, you know, I'm grateful. And uh, thanks for the pity claps there. Cool. Um, but... <laughs> I love the fact that as we just, we, we went and, and we, we, we walked around and we brought some of our team back and some of our elders back and they saw the property and everyone's like, oh my gosh. But guys, the real, the, another realtor, we were working with two realtors, one of them literally called me after the first visit and said, this is completely unrealistic. You are never going to get this place. Just give up now, like straight up. But we just stayed in the conversation. Lord, if this is you. Direct it. I remember we had no office, right? Because we're dumb and we sold our church. We didn't know where we were going, right? We had no office. So we're walking around Pastor Ravone's basement and we would just pray. We just pray. There's crickets down there. We pray with the crickets. We were just, we were just praying, like, Lord, like, we just need you. If this is you, and we just stayed in the conversation. And then we uh, made offers, and of course they got rejected because the guy wanted more than eight dollars, and so that that got rejected. And, and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then eventually got to the point where he was like, Nah, forget this. And we were like, Okay, well, we're not going to hire. And so we left, and we were looking at other stuff, and it was just so pathetic in comparison, you know, to what that was. And then eventually we get a call. Hey, he wants to talk again. He's, he's interested in, you know, negotiating with you guys. And, and I'll tell you what, man. The next several months were roadblock after roadblock, odd after odd, stacked against us. Every time it felt like we were getting somewhere, it felt like the carpet got pulled out from under our feet again. And then eventually it was closing day. And we were all holding our breath. Like, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? We showed up like the day before closing for a walkthrough. And the guy's stuff was all still there. We're like, oh, boy. Lord, we need you. We went the next day to closing. We didn't close. But we did the next day. It just reminded me, again, guys, this, like, literally, it's so easy for me to tell this story right now. It's so easy for me to be like, yes, it all worked out, and you guys have been there for the drive in the last, you know, 18 weeks, and isn't it beautiful and wonderful? It's so easy to say that now. But when we were walking through it, it was a mess. There was, there was just so, so, so much that was against us. And it's insane that it worked. Well, no, it's, it's God, right, that it worked. And the same odds that stacked against us are are often stacked against you. And you know, now we got to build a building there, right? And we look at that, wow, okay, we got to raise a bunch of money. we got to figure all this out and that out. And isn't it funny that Doug Jansen's plans were, oh, we are breaking ground. We're breaking ground, you know, late 2019, early 2020. Man, thank God we didn't because we wouldn't have had anywhere to be driving in for 18 weeks. God was over that. God knew. God knows. He knows what's going on. Even in our disappointments, even when we're so frustrated, things are not moving ahead, he still knows. He's still got a plan, and he's still so faithful and so we stay in the conversation and we trust God's promises and if we do man we're going to have our faith bolstered over time as he comes through again and it might just be little ways at first but he's going to come through I've gotten some cool texts this week from, from some, some friends who we've been praying for stuff for a long time little stuff little stuff coming through little evidences God's with us his presence is with us he's he's got us and then we take a next step. He's got you guys. He's got you. I know it's a, man, hardest time of my life, last six months, hardest time by far. I don't feel like I'm out of it yet. It's still real hard. But there's a God who is with us, mighty warriors. There's a God who has put our sp his spirit in us. And it's about him, it's not about us. If you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, you've heard me talk about Grace, forgiveness, love, Jesus coming, a spirit, the spirit of God being in our lives, like to walk with us and strengthen us and empower us. How does that all happen? And remember I said earlier, maybe you're feeling really insecure tonight. Maybe you're watching online, you're feeling really insecure because you're like, I don't know how to make myself right with God. 
Like there's so many odds stacked against me and it's my own mistakes and my own failures and my own sin. What do I do? Well, thankfully, against all odds, God became man. Against all odds, he was placed on a cross to be crucified for you and I. Against all odds, he was placed in the, in the ground and then rose back from the dead. He loves you. And I want to tell you something. If you're here tonight going, Doug, i got to tell you, man, I've prayed before and asked God to heal the marriage and heal my parents' marriage and come through on the finances and help me with school and this and that and the other thing, and it just feels like I haven't seen it in the time that I really, really needed it right away. I just want to remind you that the greatest against all odds scenario was Jesus in a grave, but then rising back from the dead. And if you and I have that, we really, truly have everything we need. Yes, we need jobs and food and all that, but at the end of the day, man, you and I have redemption. We have salvation. We have forgiveness. And if we can walk in the joy and strength of that, man, we live a different way. And it gives us the grace we need to take a next step. Stay in the conversation trust him if you're not a follower of jesus i'd love for you to put your trust in him today if you are i want you to name some stuff in the next couple minutes as we pray together i want you to name some things that are the odds stacked against you and i want you to bring them to the lord and say god i'm afraid i'm spineless i'm i'm alone i'm desperate i'm hurting i'm addicted i'm angry i'm so devastated i'm depressed i'm sad i'm alone in my circumstances right now and I just need you I need you God I need you to come through in such a powerful and awesome way and so we're going to take a minute now but be encouraged tonight oh man there's odds all around us every single one of us but against all odds God is able to win your battle let's pray God we need you we're desperate for you we thank you for your faithfulness God you are faithful life is so hard and you are so faithful God and I thank you that you carry us I thank you, God, that it is your heart to walk with us. And maybe the rugs that have been pulled out from under our feet lately, God, they're there just to set you up for something even crazier. And so, God, we ask you for help and strength. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you name some stuff right now? Can you bring it to him very, very specifically? And ask him to fight those battles for you. Ask him to show you he's with you. And I just want to speak, because it's in the Word of God, I want to speak this over you. And I am certainly not God. But if I could take the words of Scripture for a minute and just speak them over you. The Lord is with you, mighty warriors. The Lord is with you, mighty warriors. God help us. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, would you pray with me now? You could just say something like this, Jesus, I thank you that against all odds you came for me. Against all odds you were crucified in my place. Against all odds you were placed in a grave, but you rose from the dead against all odds. I thank you for your love for me. Show me what it looks like to follow you. And I thank you for this gift of life, salvation, and forgiveness. In your name I pray.